Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shante, and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness, loving God and living well. And welcome back to season three, episode two of Whole and Complete. As you know, we are in the middle of a series. All of our podcast episodes are series based and we are in the grief series. And it's really interesting. Ever since the first episode dropped, I have heard so many stories of grief. This is really a season of tremendous loss. Um, So many ways, so many reasons, um, loss of life, loss of health, just people are really struggling right now. And so this turned out to be a timely series. And all I can do is hope and sincerely pray that in some measure, some very small measure, that it's helping some people through their grief journey. So as we come to part two of this, we have a guiding scripture as we often do, and it is coming from the book of Job, Job chapter 13, verse 15. And it reads as thus, though he slay me, I will hope in him, yet I will argue my ways to his face. Though he slay me, I will hope in him, yet I will argue my ways to his face. Today, we are going to be talking about Job, a story of grief, when sh happens. I actually have the word written out, but you know, I try to keep it relatively kid friendly <laughs> and grief myths is what we're going to be talking about on part two of this episode. So I want to start by quoting uh, throughout this first segment. I'll be quoting some passages from Reverend Will Gaffney. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal black womanist theologian. She's a reverend. She's a professor. She is an expert, a scholar par excellence with respect to Hebrew Bible text. I mean, she is a bad mama jamma. And I recently heard her discourse on Job and I thought it was so useful for our purposes today. And so I'm quoting directly from a sermon that she delivered. And it says this, the book of Job is the story of a man who has questions for God. He seeks to face God face to face, and so he summons God. He subpoenas God. He sues God. Job's questions are the questions of all the world. Why is there evil? Why is there suffering? Why did my children have to die? His friends have answers, but they don't answer the questions in his soul. His friend's theology is the theology of good religious folk. It is simple theology. It is that he must have done something wrong because God's folks are blessed and highly favored and favor ain't fair. Their understanding of God has been shaped by their cultural context, their social locations and families of origin, shaped and limited like our understanding of God. Because God is more, Job is hungry for that more. He needs God to be more. And this is where we continue our series on grief. Grief in and of itself really does open up this Pandora's box of questions. And most of them start with why? Why me? Why this? Why now? Why this person or that person? Why this diagnosis? And these are the times where as believers, we need God to be more. We need God to be more than the quote unquote invisible man. We need him to be more than the man upstairs. We need him to be more than the good shepherd. We need like some right now in the trenches, real time triage nurse 
medic mayday i'm suffering very present help in trouble a la psalms 46 we need that kind of god in those times and these are also the times where we need more than you know these churchy platitudes like you know god never gives you more than you can bear or if he brought you to it he'll bring you through it listen when your heart is broken and you are in a pit of grief and despair, don't nobody want to hear that. So if you are one of those people that are looking for something to say and you reaching for some church cliches, you you can keep that. <laughs> okay, you can save that. I know you might mean well and you don't mean no harm or disrespect, but that's just not going to cut the mustard. You know, Job he lost his family. He lost his livelihood. He lost his servants. He lost his health. He even lost the skin on his body. Okay. And he was targeted. Keyword. He was targeted. He wasn't some random choice. Read the book. He wasn't randomly, you know, selected and his name just came up in the lottery and it was just the luck of the draw. No, he was targeted, not because of anything that he did wrong but because he was doing everything right. And we tend to have this Western conception of good guys and bad guys, right? That the good guys always win and that the bad guys will always get their comeuppance or their just due. And I hate to be the one to tell you, but sometimes it just don't work like that. It just does not work out that way. Job is a textbook example of bad things happening to good people. Job is the textbook example of when it rains, it pours. And when it does, as you continue to read through the chapters, you know, Job gets defiant and he gets depressed and he gets mad. And he literally like he gets up in God's face asking, where were you when these things were happening? And that was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back as it were, because that ended up backfiring when, when God was being subpoenaed, when he was being called on the carpet and he was being questioned, God got up in Job's face and was like, where were you <laughs> when I laid the foundations of the world? You do not get to lecture me on what I get to do with my stuff. Like God lays down like the pimp hand, the, the trump card, the big joker of sovereignty and sovereignty. God's sovereignty, for those of you who are not familiar, is God can do what he wants, when he wants, however he wants, because he is and he can, period. In England, they refer to the Queen Elizabeth, Elizabeth Regina, as the sovereign, like her word goes and is absolute. Um, it's really kind of low-key blasphemous when you think about it because, you know, she has to answer to God at some point, even though she has had a good long run. But no, God is sovereign, you know, and he he pulls his sovereignty forth like in the last, I want to say like maybe 30 chapters, maybe 31 to like 38. Like you need to read it through because God gives Job a read. And actually, I think I alluded to this in the Believing Bigger podcast. I'm almost sure that I did. I did a whole series on Job. But for our purposes today, we are approaching Job's story from the point of grief. And in the midst of Job's loss and his grief and his despair, as mad as he was and as depressed as he was, he clung clung to this pragmatic faith in God, this pragmatic, and I, and I use that word because pragmatic means practical, useful, 
realistic, right? He clings to this pragmatic faith in God. And he says in chapter one, like around verse 22, naked, I came from my mother's womb and naked, I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the Lord, may the name of the Lord be praised. Naked, I came from my mother's womb. I didn't come into this world with nothing and naked, I will depart and I can't take it with me. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He acknowledges God's sovereignty. He says, I came here with nothing. I'm leaving here with nothing. No matter what I have or had or what have you, I wouldn't be able to take it anyway. The Lord allowed me to have it and the Lord took it away in the story, you know, and even in the midst of that, may the name of the Lord be praised. Okay. And going back to Will Gaffney. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm quoting her again. She says, there is no delicate way to say this. God, S-H-I-T-S on him. She, he, she says that God issues on Job. Yes, that's what the gospel teaches us. Only Jesus calls it manure in the parable of the fig tree. It was, as I said once in a children's sermon, a stinky and sticky mess. But Job's life isn't a parable to him. And the crap that's raining down on him isn't manure to him. It's not obvious to him that his faith and theology are being fertilized because the God he encounters is not the God he expects. The God of his once simple, but now questioning faith. And when I heard that, so I heard her preach this and then our, the, the, transcript thankfully was available and I went back and read it something about that struck me you know let me say as just flat out as Christians that we are taught not to question we are taught not to question God we are taught not to question the Bible we are taught not to ask too many questions we are led to believe that questions equal a lack of faith and that is just not the truth if you are in a season of grief and you have questions for God that is more than okay. Job was in a season of grief and he had some questions for God. And that is more than okay. God actually answers. Okay. It may not have been the answer Job was looking for, but he absolutely did answer. And in your questioning, if you are in a period of questioning, why me? Why now? Why this? How come? And, and all of that, I want to offer you some perspective because grief can make you feel like you got crapped on. It feels crappy. Okay. It, it feels like dung. It feels like doo-doo. It feels like manure. And the word that Dr. Gaffney used in that last phrasing fertilizer, I'm going to read that sentence again. It's not obvious to him that his faith and his theology are being fertilized. That word fertilizer struck me at the core. There are so many ways so many ways, because you guys know I looked it up. You know I went digging. There are so many ways to nourish life and grow a crop. Why is it in the year of our Lord, 20 and 21, are we still using manure? Which brings us to ish happens, right? So I decided to research the why, <laughs> you know, why with all the modern conveniences and technology that we have available with all the miracle grow that's on the market, would there still be a use and in many cases, a preference for using manure 
versus a synthetic product to grow and cultivate crops. Well, here is the science behind this. So I'm going to walk you through the science and then I'm going to apply that science to our purposes today. So here are our three of the main reasons why people still use and prefer manure to, let's say, miracle Grow. right? Number one, manure adds nutrients to the soil without affecting the soil's fertility. Okay, so it adds nutrients without affecting the soil's ability to produce. Number two, manure improves the structure of the soil by increasing its water holding capacity, porosity. That means how much water runs through the soil. So for those of you in the natural hair game, you're very familiar with this word porosity because it's the, to, the degree to which your hair can absorb water or oil or nutrients or whatever. Um, it, it manure improves the structure of the soil by increasing its water holding capacity, porosity, and the texture of it. And number three, once the soil absorbs the nutrients in the manure, it stimulates and promotes growth. So let's break this down for our purposes today. Starting with the first one, manure adds nutrients to the soil without affecting its fertility. Embedded in your grief, embedded in your loss, Embedded in your disappointment are substances, dynamics, lessons that provide nourishment essential for your growth and the maintenance of your life that will not diminish your ability to keep producing and bearing fruit. I'm going to repeat that. Embedded in your grief, embedded in your manure, embedded in your loss, your your manure, embedded in your disappointment manure are substances, dynamics, lessons, nutrients, because that's what what nourishment is that provide essential growth and maintenance of your life that do not diminish your ability to keep producing and bearing fruit, meaning just because you experience loss does not mean that you are lost. And just because you have experienced death does not mean that you are dead. Within that hurt, that pain, that grief, that suffering are dynamics that will allow you to grow without diminishing your ability to continue to bear fruit, to continue to produce. And I want to be careful with this. Okay. Because, because I see this kind of dynamic happening, like, you know, like celebrities get pregnant, then they have the baby and it's all about the quote unquote, the snapback, which I think is really toxic because, oh my gosh, that's a whole other podcast episode. That whole dynamic is just really toxic. And it, it puts unnecessary and undue pressure on women whose bodies just don't snap back. Okay. Um, and puts pressure on them to start working out and, and showing up and trying to get back into things, you know, before they had a baby and being a new mom is exhausting. I mean, it will take you down. It will take you out. So I don't want anyone to have the impression that, you know, even though, there are things embedded in your grief or in your loss that are designed for you to, to, to grow and to sustain and to maintain your life that there's also a, 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 
pressure or an indicator that you need to then turn this pain into something. Oh, you know, pain has a purpose and, you know, turn it into a podcast and turn it into a story or, you know, it's going to help somebody else. You know what? It might, it may, it could. And, and oftentimes it does. Grief support groups absolutely exist and they absolutely help others who are struggling in their grief. So I'm not saying that to diminish it, but I don't also want to put the pressure um, that if that's the place that you're in, you just may not be there right now. That may not be where you are at. But within that experience, within that grief experience, that loss experience, our dynamics, our lessons that do provide nourishment essential for your growth. Because we're talking about what is the purpose of this ish, right? And ish is a fertilizer. So your faith is being fertilized. Your theology is being fertilized. Your knowledge about yourself and what you have the capacity to handle is being fertilized. The second thing is, is that manure improves the structure of soil by increasing its water holding capacity, porosity, and texture, right? Meaning for our purposes, grief strengthens you and it increases your capacity for processing the difficult and complicated emotions that are necessary for you to heal from the loss. When something is, when the structure of something is being improved, that means that it's, 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 it's the foundation. Okay. It's because grief can shake you to the core. It can shake your very foundation. It can snatch the rug from underneath your feet and send you spiraling into just no man's land. Like what is going on? And within when, when this ish is happening, okay. Because we're like, what is the purpose of the ish? How come it's not the miracle grow? How come it couldn't have come some other way? Grief also has the capacity to strengthen you in ways that other things cannot and in ways that other things do not. And it increases your capacity for processing. It increases your structure, your emotional structural foundation to be able to process these difficult and complicated emotions that are going to be necessary for you to heal from that loss. And lastly, It says once the soil absorbs the nutrients in the manure, it stimulates and promotes growth. So when does growth happen? When does growth get activated and stimulated? When the soil absorbs the crap, (laughs) when the soil absorbs not just the crap, but the nutrients from the crap. Once the soil absorbs the lessons, the dynamics, the those growth nourishments that that move us from from one place to the next place in our grief journey manure produces what's something called uh it increases soil carbon okay so you know how like as as mammals we need oxygen right but plants need what carbon dioxide so plants give what we need to breathe and we give plants what they need to breathe okay so soil carbon and this is important okay because that is the key source of energy that plants use in order to hold water in order to hold on to nutrients in order to grow but that does not happen until and unless it absorbs the nutrients from the crap that has been laid on it right So once you absorb the reality of your grief, okay, once you absorb the truth of your grief, the truth of your loss, when you allow 
yourself to go through the grieving process. Now you have the tools, the oxygen, the carbon, the energy, the wherewithal to begin the process of moving through those difficult emotions and experiences to grow in ways that you cannot grow when you refuse to engage in the process. So in the first episode of this series, so for those of you who are new coming to the series, please go back and listen to the first episode because that breaks down, you know, what grief is and why we need to grieve and what happens when we don't. Okay. So once we are, once we allow the reality, the truth of what is going on to be absorbed, that the relationship is over, that, you know, the person is not coming back or that, you know, there's a loss and, and it's going to, drastically change our lives and our families and things like that once that gets absorbed once we're willing to absorb the truth of what happened okay what happened is the crap but within what happened is a truth about a new reality that we now have to contend with and once we can absorb the truth of that reality now we have the energy, the tools, the wherewithal, the, the, the pieces to kind of assemble together, assemble together some semblance of what life is going to look like for us now. Which brings me to, and I'm going to close with myths, okay, grief myths. And there are so many, and I'm only choosing three today because I feel like our expert next week really does an excellent job with this. And the first myth is grief has a time limit. It does not. Grief does not have a time limit. Time does not heal all wounds. I hate to be the one to tell you that, but it doesn't. There are things that happened to us 10 years, 15 years, 20 years ago that we still grieve, okay? That still hurt, that still tweak our hearts, okay? Or that we still might need a moment to just get in the corner and cry about, okay? We have to stop policing grief and make people feel like they need to just get over it because a certain amount of time has passed. It may never go away. It may always hurt. It may not always hurt with the same intensity, but it doesn't mean that that pain cannot be triggered. Number two, grief myth, restoration equals negation. What do I mean by that? Restoration equals negation. Baptist preachers love to say that Job got double for his trouble because if you continue to read Job all the way to the end, you will find that Job ended up with almost twice what he lost. Okay. You know, but just because he had more children does not negate the losses of the previous children. Just because a woman has a baby after a miscarriage doesn't mean she is not going to carry the grief of the child that never was. Just because people get new spouses, new jobs, new pets does not cancel out the pain of what they lost. And people contend with that all the time. I think that sometimes as humans, we're so eager for a happy ending because it's hard to sit with people in their grief. It's hard to sit with people in those difficult dark spaces because of, of the energetic exchange that happens because we have to get down there in the dark. We have to get down there in the deep and we don't want to be down in the dark in the deep. We don't want to be sitting in the crap pile with somebody else. We don't want to do that. So we're so thirsty for a happy ending. And we, we look for these pockets of, of, positivity so that we can kind of really make ourselves feel better but it's not about you it's not about you it's about them so just because something positive happens out of a negative it does not cancel out or erase the fact that something negative did occur and last but not least loss is something that you can 
get over, right? For many people, there is no quote unquote over. When you love someone or something or had your heart set on your life turning out a certain kind of way, it's not about getting over it but really getting through it, okay? It's about finding a way to process the hurt and pain while trying to build some sense of acceptance about the loss that you have experienced, okay? So again, just because something happened and and you haven't, you, you're beating yourself up because you're like, I need to get past this. I need to get over this. I need to just let it go. Sometimes that's just not reality okay it's not that you can't grow it's not that you can't heal it's not that you can't move forward but in terms of getting over it that goes back to kind of like point number two it's like a negation like let me just act like this didn't happen and it did happen and what happened was hurtful and you are having some negative well not negative but some some painful emotions behind what happened and it's okay to process those things. And it's okay if those things take longer than you had anticipated. So that is where I will leave it in part two of the grief series. Our expert next week, Hadine Messier. Hadine Messier. Uh, She is a licensed clinical social worker. She is a certified grief coach. She has been coaching people through grief for decades. And we had an amazing conversation. I brought the tambourine out, y'all. For those of you who are brand new to this, I'm like, tambourine. Yes, honey. I have a pink tambourine. It sits on my desk. And when I have guests that ring the bell, they get a few shakes from me. So you all will definitely be getting into that next week. But um, in all seriousness, this is, is such a heavy season. People have experienced so many losses and are continuing to experience loss. You know, we like to, people keep saying, you know, well, post-pandemic. It's not post-pandemic. We are still very much in this pandemic. It is still very much a possibility of getting COVID. And there's so much happening right now that I I want to take the time to really just really acknowledge you're suffering and acknowledge the fact that even though life seems to be going on and happening at rapid pace and it, things are certainly more accelerated than they were last year when things were just slowed down for a bit. It's like just because the world is moving on and moving past and getting up and getting on with it doesn't mean that you are. And that is OK. That is OK. Your own way in your own time at your own pace. I just will encourage you that as you are going through that you allow yourself to really experience the grief rather than suspending yourself in that place, locking yourself in that place of perpetual pain and torment. So if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, you want me to pray for you? Listen, I will do that. Hit me up. Holler at your girl at Dr. Shante says on Instagram, on Twitter, and I will see you in episode three.